I could only imagine what you went and dealt with there. 15 minutes of silence, dude. Just stand there. So I'm just thinking of all my old aunts just sitting there, just staring at him like, have you who, who who brought him who who told him yeah this? yeah all that i, I, all I, that. I, I know i'm saying he was this like it is impossible to anticipate where the two monsters which suddenly appeared in the atomic area will attack next if your power goes out remain calm We go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 43 of the First Sip Podcast. Today, we have with us Sydney Gant. So I met Sydney through training, actually, in the Philadelphia area on the mats, actually, at Jiu-Jitsu. Sydney is an upcoming comedian in the Philadelphia area, and he's the co-host of the Two Jacked Bros podcast that he does with his wife, which we're going to talk about later on. We're going to talk about his comedy journey today and then some of the people he's met along the way. So with that being said, Sid, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, dude. We're, we're glad you're on. So I just asked Sydney right before we started recording if he was going to jujitsu tonight, actually. And he said, only for a little bit, I have a show tonight. So I figured might as well start off with what you're doing tonight. Oh, yeah. Tonight I'll be at Helium Comedy Club. Uh, AP, if you guys want to come, you're more than welcome so it's 8 p.m. at Helium. If you wanted to come, I can have some tickets at the door for you guys. Oh, no it's a little showcase they're doing, which is also a host audition. Oh. So they need they have like the some more seasoned comedians closing the show. But the uh, the younger comedians on the show are auditioning to work at the club. So it's really exciting. So now are you one of the seasoned or are you one of the newer ones that are coming? Yeah, I'm, clo- I'm, I'm closing the show. Oh, that's awesome, man. You yeah. should do that like the main event, like headliner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, cool, man. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, where is Helium? Uh, 20th and Sansom in Center City. Oh, it's downtown. Yeah. Nice, man. So, what what does that like look like? What what uh, we've never spoken to a like, like getting before. into it the whole thing. When well, actually, when you just said about like people auditioning to be the host, I just remember I was listening to a story the other day that uh, Steve Harvey was telling, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story about when he first started working at um where was it uh at the Apollo. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, he had got a call to be like the host for the night and they needed, you know, somebody to fill in. And that was kind of like how he really got his start. And he ended up being like the longest running host of a uh, showtime at the Apollo there. Yeah. So, um, that's and it's funny, Bert, you know, brought it up like, how did you know, how did you really get into comedy? You know, like what what started the journey for you? I mean, I, I, I never really wanted to do anything else. You know, I was I was brought up in a household where my mom was like she was obsessed with. Well, she's obsessed with inter, like pop culture and entertainment. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the thing that her and I I think bonded off of was always comedy. Like my mom always was into every comedian you could think of, from George Carlin to Eddie Murphy and everybody in between. So I've 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 been into just anything that can make me laugh my whole entire life. Like I'm a big I was I'm obsessed with the Looney Tunes. <laughs> you know, like I, I still think is probably one of the funniest. Like I, it's, it's one of those things, the Looney Tunes was one of those things that I always knew when I had a kid, I was going to introduce my kids to that show, hmm. you know, cause it's just the, the way that they make jokes, it, it's just, you don't really see it anymore in, uh, in, in comedy period. It's just, they were just so irreverent, so sharp. It was so, even though we're, we're, we're decades away from when that was a new, when Looney Tunes was new and popping. You watch it, it still feels like, oh my God, can they say this? Mm-hmm. You know, so 
it's uh it's time that it has timeless comedy in it and, and i love like every year like we kind of go through it all like i go through it all with my kids and like watching my kids laugh they laugh harder at that show than i see them laugh at anything else wow where do you watch it where do you like stream it back on what are you on youtube or what Oh no, we had well, I got all the DVDs and stuff. I've been collecting, okay. I've been collecting Looney Tunes. Wow. I never, I didn't know we were going to get this digital in in our in our lifetime. So you know, knowing that I wanted to have these always, like even before we had kids, I had all, all these Looney Tunes. That's funny. That's it's interesting you bring that up. Like just about the connection you had, you know, with your with your mom growing up in in comedy, and then you bring up the box set. My uh, my parents. I remember my dad. He had bought the whole box set for In Living Color. Do you remember that show when it came? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, Oh, yeah. um, this is like a show that came out in the 90s, right? Like a whole bunch of different comedians that came on. Um, I think uh, Jim Carrey got his start on there too, right? Like um, Oh, Jim Can- Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans, Marlon Wayans, all the, all the Wayans brothers, right? uh, Jamie Foxx. Yeah, and my, I, I saw in my brother's room the other day that he had the whole box set and he was going through them again, watching every every uh, show from back then. So it's funny how you say like these things really are timeless and it just keeps yeah. coming back, but it's like, who knows what, yeah i feel like jokes are evolving mm-hmm. though right like don't don't people follow a different set mm-hmm. of rules now Sid? no i mean and that's the beautiful thing about it i mm-hmm. mean the, the the rules have so yeah you're going to go through eras where there are different there's different cult like culture is demanding different things for the most part and so it gets pc it gets un pc it gets pc it gets un pc and we go through those cycles but as far as uh the job of a comedian is concerned and the basics of stand-up comedy everything stays the same hmm. okay so what are what are the the basics like when you watch so for example did you watch um did you watch dave Chappelle's newest special that just came out i, did. I know it's controversial um but when you watch it you probably watch it with a much more critical eye than dikembe and i would watch it as we don't know mm-hmm. like the art itself what are you looking for like what does he do amazing uh well so uh for the first thing you said, I, I probably don't watch comedy with a more critical eye. I, I love jokes. I am obsessed with jokes. I love being able to sit back and be a fan of jokes. So when I'm, when I'm watching something, it's all about whether or not it makes me laugh. And until it stops making me laugh consistently, do I start actually looking at why it's not making me laugh, hmm. right? Um, but as far as what Chappelle does absolutely amazing, which you don't even realize it. So one of the tenets of stand-up comedy is brevity is key. You're trying to get to the punchline with the fewest amount of words as possible. So you're trying to minimize the time in between laughter, basically. And uh, Chappelle is able to do that with, without, uh, he's able to do that while still setting up the bigger punchline, right? So you know, a setup, so there's a setup and a punchline, uh, a setup, you know, is the, the thing that introduces you to the joke and then the punchline would be the twist. So I actually have a joke that I wrote years ago that I, I, I kind of used to illustrate that. So like the setup would be, uh, hey, you know what's cool? Magic, right? That's the setup, you know what we're talking about, right? So, hey, you know what's cool? Magic, you know what's never cool? Magicians, right? And then that's the twist, <laughs> right? So what Dave Chappelle does is, uh, you don't know when any of that stuff is coming. It's all hidden, mm. right? You don't even know why you're laughing half the time because, you know, you're you're not even at the end of the joke, but he's he's laughing you to the punchline, which which is, uh, you know, uh, Dave Chappelle does that, Louis C.K. does that, Bill Burr does that, uh, Kevin Hart uh, even does that, which 
I, I love I love watching him do it because you can see it more, right? It's um, you know, because he he's almost like a lecturer, Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. So he's giving you the impression that he's t- explaining something in a complex way, but it's just giving him more opportunity for punchlines before the finale. Interesting. That's a really way. Of, that's an interesting way of breaking it down because yeah. you're right. Like. Anytime I think of Kevin Hart, it's, it's almost like you're going to see not just the jokes, but the there's also the, yeah, the yeah. performance. You know, you see the visual behind his jokes, um, and like it, it's 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 cool to see how they kind of just play on you know maybe well, what's going on in society or kind of just like tiptoeing along that you know to make the joke or kind of keep you laughing along the way. But um, like when I watch Dave Chappelle, I think it's that's one thing I've always noticed from him over years and years and years is that no matter what's going on he can find a way to make a joke about it and you will find yourself laughing through the entire thing. But also, like you're saying, there's certain points in the back of your mind where you're like, wait, why was that so funny? Especially if like, I know for me, right? Like being black, like laughing at certain jokes, I would be like, hmm, I wonder if my white friends also find this funny, but why do they find it funny? Right? And I think that's the part of comedy where it's just like, it can get you laughing about things. It can get you tuned into a topic, but then at a certain point, you got to sit back and be like, huh, why did we find humor in that? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're really doing your job well, it's because you are you found a way to uh, attach the listeners to the humanity of the situation. And that's one of the things that is really cool. I mean, if, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a social, cultural comedian, I guess. Like, I talk about my life and the, the way that the world affects my life, I guess. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll have Black people and white people come up to me, you know, telling me how much they enjoy the same joke because... I think what I do, you know, really well is, I, you know, w- what I'm talking about is the thing that as humans, we all can't deny. Like this is, this is the common thread. Mm-hmm. We might not realize it until it's pointed out, but I find the common thread of in, in, in all humanity. Like there are just some things that can't be denied, even though we might handle them differently ethnically. Right. You know, or, or just like, um, you know, the, the example that's coming to my mind, so I might as well talk about it, is the fact that all cultures have some sort of um, like festivity around food situation, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, like, you know, you, if you put a bunch of different ethnicities in a room, you got like Italians, you got black people, you got uh, people from Spain, you know, you got Ethiopians and stuff and you go, all right, who, who has the most fun around food? Right, a war is going to break out. Game over for sure. Nobody's that argument is that. never ending. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Even point. though no even, one would concede mm-hmm. too. No, you can't. Yeah. You so, can't my mom that that her food isn't isn't better than yours. Like it, she she cooks the best. Correct. And if you were to take the Cuban side of my family, mm-hmm. there it would be a, it's war. a throwdown. Yeah, that's a really good point. Interesting. Yeah. So that's that's a common thread. Now how we handle that thing specifically is when you start to get into variations. But now I, you can talk about, you can talk about that way. I can even talk about my specific variation, but if you do it right, uh, the, the, the Cubans are like, Oh, I know exactly what that is. You know, we just did it with, you know, this or, you know, but, but if you're doing it right, they're not even doing that equation. They're just like, it's just like instant connection, yep. you know? So that to me, that's my favorite part of comedy. Mm. And that goes back to, I guess you were saying, like one of the basic like responsibilities of, of being a comedian, one of those things that you feel like 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you got to make people laugh. You're an entertainer, you know? It's, uh, you know, so is the, uh, the reason for the sad clown, right? Because it's not about you. Mm. And it can't be. Because once it's about you, you don't, you're not as funny as you used to be, you know? And, you know, you see, you see it happen all the time where, you know, comedians want to get up there and they have like, so I, you, know, you get up in an open mic or, or, or a showcase even, like say somebody that's more at my level. So where, where you would find me at a comedy show, if you went to a comedy show where it was like a, a well-known headliner, I'm the middle guy, right? So there's a host, a middle and a headliner. Now, if you were going to go to Helium Club on like a Wednesday, not knowing who the headliner was going to be because it's like a no-name guy, I'm headlining that night. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I also do corporate work. That's that's my main job is to mm. do corporate comedy. And that's like when corporations hire a comedian at the end of the year celebration or whatever they need a comedian for. And then I go tell like do an hour of comedy for companies. You know, oh, so you'll, cool. you'll go to like an annual sales meeting. Basically. So it's almost like working in the public speaking space. I mean, it's always, I mean, comedy is working in the public speaking space, hmm. you know, like we're public speakers. We might have to talk about that a little bit later. We have some uh, future plans we're trying to get into. So yeah, we're we'll, not as funny. We'll put that on though. the shelf a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, funny you brought that up. I love, I love all forms of public speaking, by the way. I, I watch it all. I like, I watch for, like stand up comedy, improv, you know, motivational speeches, uh, you know, any like, you know, uh, inspirational speeches. Um, I love watching uh, court cases. I love watching the way lawyers uh, try to sway people. You know, it's uh, all that stuff is I'm fascinated by all public speaking. I'm, I'm smiling because I'm the I'm the exact same way. I can sit there and listen. I mean, I watch all these criminal shows, these law cases, and just I don't know if it's the way people go about like communicating or if it's the stories that that are told. I don't know what it is that gets me with just hearing people speak, but like you're saying, I can I can sit here and just listen to people talk for hours. Yeah, it's neat, man. It's, oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, delivery. Yeah. So you said, all right. So you said, typically you'll find you in the middle ground, not the host. Not you recently opened, or I guess were the middleman for Theo Vaughn. Oh, absolutely, yeah. The big name guy. So how did that go? One, how'd you get tied to that? And two, how did it go? Well, he was coming. He was coming into the area, and he uh, he has an opener that he travels with, but he also. He also, when he goes places, he likes to have local people come on to his show as well. Because uh, he likes variety. Like his exact words were, if it's if it's just me and Ari and we both don't don't like we both don't nail it or we both don't crush it, people are walking away thinking that show sucked. But if I bring more people on who are capable of killing, at least somebody's gonna be walking away with a favorite comedian. Mm. <laughs> I thought that was amazing because that. it's not typical that uh, people that are as good as he is want to go on the road or no, 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 uh, let me take that back. It's not typical that people are on his level. The people that has at his level will go on the road and bring people on that are good. Right. Like a lot of times they'll want to bring somebody on that again, capable, talented, but maybe not somebody that's going to leave the crowd, you know, rolling over in laughter, mm -hmm. right? Like somebody that is just capable of doing the job so that when they get on the stage, they're now the star, mm. right? Then there's like, you know, this elite group of comedians that are just so good that nothing anybody does before them is going to overshadow what they do, 
right? And they had that confidence knowing that because, because again, they're people that are connected. They're, they've been spending their career learning how to connect with an audience, not, not getting up on stage worried about whether or not their joke works, mm. right? Because it, it can get a little esoteric comedy. I feel like that's that's. Mm. Did like it. that's a really good point you just dropped there, and I, I feel like that went over our heads. A lot of people say that might be listening. Yeah, for sure. You can't really just sit there and worry about yourself, right? It's like you have to connect with the people who are there, right? The people who came to see you, the people who are listening. Did, did, have you ever had a moment where you won bombed? Like, did you ever really just blow it where no one said like any? You just felt crickets in the crowd. Oh yeah, yeah. What's that feel like? I've always so we we run a fantasy football league, and one of the punishments I've always wanted to do was have someone go to an open mic night. If they're the loser of the league, go to an open mic night and do stand up. Not to put a mockery to stand up, but it would be hard. Like I, they, they would. It'd be very difficult. What does that feel like in a like where you just bomb? Okay, first of all, if that if that is the case, have them go to Ravens Lounge on okay. 17th and Sansom on Thursday night. Okay, right? done. Uh, we get, we actually, um, I don't really do that open mic much anymore, but when I used to, uh, we used to get that guy a lot. Like that was, that was, you'd be surprised how often that is a punishment for fantasy leagues. And it, it, is it ever, does anyone ever come on and like surprise? Uh, have you ever seen someone come on and like surprise the crowd or is it always just awful? It, it, it's, yeah, it's up and down. Sure. It's up and down. But you know, bombing is bombing is a is, is a really interesting experience. Like early on, it's devastating. I've been doing comedy for like fifteen plus years now. I mean, uh, now I kind of find it funny when I'm bombing. You know, it's uh, you know, typically typically if that is the case, you know, there's a connection issue more than anything, and that's always on me. You know, so I'm not for whatever reason I'm not able to want to do this for the audience you know what i mean it's uh because that's what you have to get in order to you know like you can like you guys know shane gillis right uh you've seen his stuff like i don't know if you've seen his comedy special like he does come off like a bully and stuff like a, like an like kind of like that's his character okay. one of the most humble guys you will ever meet you know he's like he you have to be you have to be about the audience and if you can't find that then you're gonna have a tough time and uh so I was doing a uh, doing a show in New Jersey. It was like this contest, and they told me they, the contest had to be semi clean, right? And when we got there, it was it was uh, more than semi clean. You know, it was for a conglomerate of all these different black churches in one mm. building who were all coming to hear clean comedy, wow. right? Mm. And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of, I, I kind of felt betrayed, you know, because they weren't. I asked many questions about the crowd and the, and the language, and never once was it told to me that it was going to be a bunch of black churches, you know. Uh, like they didn't think that was an important, you know, descriptive yeah, factor at that's all. That's not a key detail. Like well, the jokes are I mean, to be a little bit different. Hey, crowd might react a little different. No. Mm -mm. Well, so it was only it was only a key factor for me because at the time it played into one of the last insecurities in comedy that I was hanging on to, right? Because that's one of the things that we do for personality is we hang on to these weird idiosyncrasies that we think make us unique. Hmm. And so for me, my my like every like a lot of comedians were like, oh, this crowd hates me. Right. And until that moment, I was hanging on to 
black church crowds hate me. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't really the case, but it was like, I, I, you know, it was a place that I had a difficult, a more difficult time connecting and, and I had to dig a little deeper to find how to connect than I would for a typical crowd. And that equates to a comedian. This crowd doesn't like me. Right. So, uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was this weird, uh, like theater that I think used to be some sort of, uh, ceremonial church space, you know, and the, the, it was stacked up. So it, the, the audience didn't go back seating wise. They just went higher above you. So it was like you were in the Coliseum, you know, they were like surrounding you. <laughs> and I bombed for like 15 straight minutes of dead silence. Oh, Jesus. Jeez, man. Albert, you ever been to a black church? Um, Listen, have I ever been to a black church? The scrutiny is different. I, I feel like no. All right. There's a lot of people who grow up with a lot of issues because it's just black church, right? It's like, yeah. The, the scrutiny is bad, all right? I could only imagine what you went and dealt with there. 15 minutes of silence, dude. Just stand there. So, I'm just thinking of all my old aunts just sitting there just staring at him like, have you? Who who, who brought him? Who who told him yeah, that? Yeah, all that. I, I, all I, that. I, I know. I'm Whose nephew is this? Like, all I'm, that. Yes, I'm sweating <laughs> right now for you. Yeah. Who? <laughs> Jesus. So, okay. So have you overcome, do you, do you know now how to appeal to the black church crowd or no, no, I just, had to, let, I just had to let go of that last, I just had to let that go. You know, it's not, it wasn't, it's not, it's only in your mind anyway. Right. Right. It's like the same thing. Like, you know, we, we experience this with jujitsu all the time and it's like, uh, you have this, you, 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 you see somebody and you look at their physicality and you're like, they're big, strong, or, or they're like explosive and fast. And you're like, what am I going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to, that's like, that's my kryptonite. Like that body type is my kryptonite. And then you go against it, that person, and you just, you like, most of the time you're like, that person might be your kryptonite, but every now and again, you hit a zone where you're not thinking about any of that stuff. And then you realize like, oh no, there are things I can do here. You know, like this, this isn't, this isn't an issue. I, it was, that was only in my own mind. Mm -hmm. And then you, you're able to let that go and then grow now as a martial artist. Right. So that's the same thing that happens in comedy. Like you have, you have a roadblock and that is, is for 100% in your mind, but you have to learn that in order to let that dissolve. So you can go on to the next roadblock. And, uh, yeah, I just had to, again. I just had to let let go of that. Black churches don't like me thing. Hmm. <laughs> it's life lesson right there for, for real. Okay, so <clears throat> flip the question then. Obviously, you talked. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. We talked about bombing. What was your most successful performance that you felt, or like what was the highlight that you've had so far? Oh, I think I hope it's still coming. I mean, I, I don't, I don't uh, you know, it's uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm like a. I, I've been doing, I've been, I've been an athlete my whole entire life. I, I was, it was a pretty high level track competitor and stuff. And one of the things that I always uh, try to be mindful of is to not fetishize, you know, the heights. Right. And it's like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to cap myself at that. Right. Because I want, I want to, I want, um, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking to achieve again, if I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, uh, at the end of my career, I should be better than Chappelle, whether or not that means, like, because there might be somebody else who also is standing on the shoulders of giants that is standing out even more than that, right? But if you if you compared uh, even what the basic open micer is doing on stage 
compared to Lenny Bruce at his best, I mean, give me the most basic open mic or any day, mm. right? Because, we, you know, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants. Like, that doesn't mean in that era that open mic would have been better, right? Lenny Bruce was the guy. But, you know, so I'm, 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 looking, I'm looking at, uh, you know, I, I approach comedy the same way I approach martial arts, where it's like, this is nonstop continued growth and learning for the rest of my life. So I, I don't really think about my highs. That's awesome. I like that. I yeah. like that. And it's, once again, it's funny. We find you know, another person from a completely different industry, and it goes back to one of the earlier like people that we referenced was uh, Simon Sinek, right? He talks about the infinite game. And no mm-hmm. matter like what it is that you're doing, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what work you're doing, no matter what you're training towards, don't look for you know that end goal. Just look at it as like, okay, I'm here, but there's always that next step. You know, There's always more and more and more, and that just kind of helps push you along the, uh, the journey. But yeah. uh, it's interesting. Like, have you... Is that another thing? Like, I mean, you talk all the time. I can notice it, right? Like, it seems like jujitsu has kind of helped you guys just kind of help pace yourself along that too, right? Because you have to continue to challenge yourself. You're always faced with different, you know, obstacles, different adversity. And it's like, you can't go in with a set plan every single time, right? I feel like you're just learning new tactics each and every week that help you start getting through this plan. And it seems like you guys are able to translate that into what you're doing now for your lives. Yeah, I mean, you have a, you have a, you have a, it's not that you don't have a plan, but you have to be willing to adapt to the situation as it comes, right? Mm -hmm. Because I definitely have a plan. I'm trying to smash a, I'm trying to smash a fart out of your body. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, that's my, my number one goal with everybody I roll with is to make them fart at least once. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's crazy. You know, so that's, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a goal. I have a, I have a plan, but you know, some people are squirrely. Some people don't allow me to even get to the top, you know? So Mm. it's like, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to, to do my plan, uh, through, through everything that's getting thrown at me. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, there's definitely parallels between jujitsu and how you grow in life there. You definitely go into it. Like Sydney says, everyone has a set style Mm -hmm. and strengths to what they're good at and what they play off of. But there are moments when it's just not working and you Mm -hmm. have to pivot and learn in the moment how to take a different path to still get to the end goal and win. Um, jiu-jitsu is crazy, man. There's just, yeah, <clears throat> that, that whole yeah. ability factor, right? Because that's, I know one thing we're talking about building the podcast, you know, going through these building phases, just that you might have everything planned out and then you get punched in the face and it's like, ah. Yeah, I'm sure we we're going to get punched in the face soon. So yeah. you get that record. That's the same thing with comedy, though. They always say, like, the, the veterans will always tell you, know your, know your material, right? Know your material front and back because something's gonna happen in a crowd that you're gonna have to deal with. And if you don't know your material, while you're dealing with that thing in the crowd, you're gonna be trying to find your place in your material, like all this mm. incident, like all this, uh, you know, so the way I say it is I, I'm never trying to do two things at once on stage. My only job on stage is to make people laugh. I am not doing anything else in my brain other than making people laugh because I know my material, I'm prepared. And there are days, you know, where I go to do comedy and I never even get to the material, but I'm able to be absolutely comfortable in that because I know my material. And if I have to go back to it, we're good. You know? So, yeah. How, how long are you, like, how long are you going to be on stage tonight? Uh, 20 minutes tonight. That's long, man. That's, that's a long, long time to talk in front of people. That's why I was asking if it's just like, you know, public speaking, you're right. Because I don't know many people who can go out there and say, oh, I'm going to go stand on stage and even talk for five minutes. First, that's what I'm saying. Think I, about how many people would panic at a, giving a wedding speech. 
bro, I just did one and I have to do one again. Yeah, but you're a public speaker. I am a public speaker. We, I, we talked about this, Albert. You're a public speaker, content creator, but producer. 20 minutes is a long time that, to talk. Yeah. That's, that's a crazy but like prep, you said, too. It becomes, obviously, you start building. And, man, I heard somebody say this just the other day. I was listening to a podcast. They were saying, like, as you – they have this belief that you don't really ever build confidence, right? They said you build competence along the way that builds your confidence, Right. So listen, you say it's like, okay, you you learn your material, you know it in and out. So the point where you get on the stage and even if you don't go back to that exact material, you're still confident enough to go through that 20 minute that they're however long you're up there, because it's like you just really know your stuff. Right. And I feel like at a certain point that would give anybody enough confidence to say, well, it's like even if I don't get back to this origin, like we write up outlines for some episodes and, and sometimes we don't go over anything. Yeah, you do. And you then write. the episodes still flow well. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like, psh, well, here we go. Obviously we're starting to get a little competent with it. So yeah. Yeah. Let's go. So are you, yeah, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge deal, man. Like just you, feel. Sorry to interrupt. You said, are you practicing in the, like, I, I know you say, you know, your material, but like, are you dry running it? Like you writing stuff down, obviously you're writing jokes down. But like, what does a prep look like is where I'm trying to get at right now. I'm always preparing. I don't have like, a, I don't sit down and prepare. I mean, this is my life. This is all I do. Mm. So all day long, I'm running material in my head. I'm going through my set list. I'm doing different sets. I'm doing 10 minute sets. I'm doing five minute sets. I'm doing, you know, I'm going through it all, all the time. Like it's all in there. And it also helps, uh, helps me stay creative too, you know, because I'm keeping, I'm keeping jokes in my mind at all times, which helps me write jokes in the moment. So like, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, yeah, I'm constantly writing. I'm never, I'm never not writing or just like there's always something comedy related or, or, or just like um, if it's not comedy related, it, it's about, uh, you know, like influencing the crowd somehow, mm. you know? So that's all I'm, that's all I'm really, thinking. Oh, you know, of course, like, you know, martial arts and shit exploding and, you know, I'm a guy, you know what I mean? I still have a guy's brain, yeah, yeah. but it's like, you know, it's just mostly, I'm most, I'm, all the, like, like I, there won't there won't be a time where I sit down and like write out my set tonight. I already know it. Mm-hmm. Like if, if 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 an audience dropped out of the sky right now and a microphone came with them, I could start my night. I could start right now. You're good. Yeah, that's I like that. So yeah. you know what you could take from that. What? Because I've been noticed Albert has just been doing some some practice, like in the bathroom, in the car. Like he's just been talking to himself. I do. As if he's going through a podcast interview. I I'm like, Albert, who are you talking to? He's like, oh, myself, but as a podcast guest. Oh, but we don't need to do this. We don't need to do this for practice. But here we are. Hey, man, I got a speech coming up, so. That's what I'm telling you. You're getting better and better at it. I'm, I'm, maybe I'll have to I, run it by, by, I got a best man speech coming up soon, Sid. Oh, Sid. <laughs> or ask some, for some jokes. Yeah. Um, so we, we touched on podcasting. You co-host one with your wife. Mm-hmm. So what's, the, what's the premise of what you guys are doing? All right, so, I mean, the premise is uh, my wife and I are just trying to prove that you can have an inappropriate sense of humor and still reach a higher consciousness or enlightenment, if you want to describe it that way. But what we do is we bring comedians onto the show and we interview them in a very structured format. The, like the, the, everybody gets the same questions and we basically take them through the process of like opening their chakras with questions, you know? Okay. And uh, so I'm looking at the questions right now. So like everybody gets the same questions, which is the first question we ask somebody is, um, what is the most, what's, what situation or experience has given you the most information? And then from there, we go into opening their chakras, which is, uh, how did you learn to overcome fear? Uh, what is something, a person, place, or thing that you want to give an apology to, you know, to just to set your energy back to neutral? Uh, what was, you know, how did you learn to walk, to move past disappointment 
and what is the most disappointed in yourself you've ever been? Uh, what have you learned from grief? Your favorite lie to tell, and you get extra points if you tell, if you if you divulge a lie that's currently in rotation. Damn. That's probably my favorite. That's my favorite question. That's like, crazy. Yeah. So, and then we go, um, so then we get into like the higher level uh, things for, in, as enlightenment is concerned. Like those were like, those are like the survival chakra, the pelvis, you know, we were moving all through the chakras with all those questions. And then this one is like the third eye, which is uh, what is something, what are, what are two things that you used to think were separate, but now you're realizing are the same thing. Mm. Right. And we don't, we try not to give, we try to give as little guidance to the, because we want people to have the question hit them in the way it comes out of them is how they answer the question. So we try to give as little guidance as possible unless they ask for it. But um, that one, we get some really cool answers for that question, you know? Dude, I feel like you get cool answers for all those. So I was sitting there thinking, like, as you were asking them, I was trying to think of how I would answer certain ones. Those, yeah. you guys come up with those questions yourself or did you follow, I know you said the whole chakra thing, was is that like an enlight, enlightenment framework or did you guys come up with those questions yourself? Uh, Ansley keeps, I don't know that Ansley keeps saying that I came up, so I came up with the questions, but it wasn't, it wasn't me coming up with the, it was us like, we've been I've, I've wanted the podcast to be this way since I started doing the podcast three years ago but I didn't have I didn't have the framework for it so we were just like you know doing a, a regular silly people podcast of course like it has it has a slant towards this kind of stuff because this this is our interest and in it's like I find I find this stuff uh very funny you know so you know and I also find it funny that I'm into this stuff it's hilarious to me so we will, we will always talk about stuff like this, but, um, you know, it was, it was one of these things where people kept asking me, you know, I get, because I'm one of the veterans on the scene, like, uh, people come to me for advice a lot. And I just found myself just telling people over and over again, like, again, my secret sauce in comedy, I, I promise you is do it for the crowd. It has to be for the people. Like if it's not, if you're not get, if you're not up there giving your 100% complete self to the people, like, why do you even want to do this? You know, so, you know, after hearing myself say that over and over and over again last year, I was like, maybe we should, I need to take that approach more with the podcast. You know, I want to, I want to give, you know, I'm, I'm funny. I have funny friends. Like, how can I configure something where my funny friends and, and, and us are able to give people something that they're thinking about and is, is impacting their lives in a positive way. Right. So, um, my, uh, my one of uh so me and Anzi, we've been together for 21 years right and before we moved to philadelphia the philadelphia area from atlanta we were living in uh we you know, were having a little bit of a rough time and um we stumbled on the show the avatar mm. right oh, the, the last airbender the cartoon Kevin right loves that show. and it had been it's, it's in syndication now. Like the, the, mm -hmm. the, the hype about it is already over at this point. Yeah. And we're just now discovering it. It was embarrassing. Cause like, I love anime okay. and I love like, I love this type of storytelling, you know, like the fact that this eluded me was one of the most embarrassing things that ever happened to a black anime. Well, I still say it is one of the best shows I've probably ever watched. It's the best. It's it's the, and again, this is another one of these shows that we were like, our kids are watching this show mm -hmm. over and they, and they love it. They watch it over and over again. Uh, my my daughter's name is Cora, and that is for sure after Cora from the uh, the Legend really? of Cora. Yeah, wow. my my uh, 
my other daughter, her middle name is Jet, which comes from Jet from The Last Avatar. And then my son's middle name is Mako, which comes from Mako, the, the Legend of Korra. Like my my other daughter, who's, uh, whose middle name is Jet, she was going to be named Toph. So we were going to have Korra and Toph. I have Damn. no idea where these names are coming from. Damn. I'm just watching the Kembe get these all excited. These are all just powerful names. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, I've yeah, seen so, kid an accent on the mat, so I listen, know they're animals, power. but I don't <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so that's so that's like, that's uh, we love this show. This, this, this show changed. So we... We were we she she discovered it and she was like I think you're gonna like this show right and we were like fighting and shit when when she was like I think you're gonna like this show so we sat down and watched it together and it was this episode called the the Guru episode where Aang has to go to this Guru and basically get his chakras unblocked so he can access the Avatar state the spirit yeah and that's what this podcast is based off of that episode of Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, and I was I was just so inspired by that the way they were able to distill that process because that many that process is is the process that you have to do to get past blockages every time, right? Nobody gets to get past their blockages in a different way because if you if you have something that's blocking you, right? it's because you are projecting some fear onto that thing. That thing can't give you, you just came across that thing. That thing doesn't scare you. You're scared because you have fear in you that's being projected onto this new thing, right? So you gotta get past your fear. You gotta get past your guilt. You know, a lot of times we have guilt to succeed. Like I grew up in a bad neighborhood and a lot of the people around, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college, which seems like a good thing. But at the same time, you're just like, like, why did that have to happen to me? Like, why couldn't, like, there's other, you know, charming people in my family where it's like, man, I wish they would have had an opportunity like I had. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some guilt that can be associated with that. So, you know, you got to get past that to be able, to, just to be able to um, learn how to move past disappointment. Because if you don't, if you don't get past your guilt, every time you get in a situation where you feel disappointed, you're now convincing yourself that you deserve to feel disappointed, right? Because that's what your guilt is doing, Right. So once you, once you get past that disappointment and that guilt, and like I was telling you, remember you have those insecurities that we latch onto our personalities. Like we make them us, like we are a collection of insecurities in our own mind, but you have to start letting that go, which means you have to grieve the old version of yourself. It's gone. How do you do that? How do you move on like that? Right? So once you're able to do that, now you got to start being honest about all the lies you're telling yourself, you know, cause there's no other way to get past that. Now, what I, I noticed it happened with me in, in jujitsu. This is this is funny because like <clears throat> I'm 41 years old, but man, I am a ridiculous athlete still to this day. I will dunk on you. I swear to God, I'm 5'10", 41, and I will dunk on you. Damn. I have ridiculous athleticism. It's it's insane. My dad was a super athlete. My mom was a state champion in the 100 meters as a freshman. I come from ridiculous athletic genetics who are also addicts, right? So that's why you've never heard of either one of them athletically, mm. right? So so in jujitsu, I, I watch people overcome their fear of my explosiveness and it's so fun to see, you know? It inspires me, you know what I mean? Like, cause you know, there'll be people that will avoid me for a little while, you know? And then, you know, I, I'll ask them to roll and they're like, they'll say no. And then they'll start talking to me about it, 
you know, like, oh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say it in a joking way, it's like, ah, you know, you're, you're too much of a handful for me to deal with, right? And that's them trying to get over, you know, in their own little way, trying to get over what they fear about me, right? Because it's not me. They just like, they were always like, you know, I love jujitsu and stuff, but if I ever come across like a really explosive athlete who also knows jujitsu, I'm going to be screwed. Like that was before they even met me, right? I just filled that, I just filled that hole, mm-hmm. right? And then, um, yeah, dude, it's like, and then I'll then I'll start talking about like me being explosive and like how it's like just, you know, so cool that I, like I'm explosive and uh, technical and stuff. And, you know, what do you do with that? You know, it's just like, it's just fun to watch. And then, and then next thing I know, they're doing, you know, they're doing something slick where they're taking my back when I was like passing there. Dude, it's just like, it's wild. Like, I don't know. And then, and then they'll never, though they never have trepidation for rolling with me again, right? And, but it's just like, you're lying to yourself about that. You're like, you're lying to yourself about what you can't do, right? It's not always about what you can do. You're also lying to yourself about what you can't. So, you know, again, that whole process, that little, that is how we get over every little blockage. That's, that's the, um, that's basically the framework, whether we realize it or not. And that's, so that's why I came up with the question. It was a combination of like, martial arts and comedy and like, you know, Avatar, The Last Airbender, like coming together to help me form these questions. Hmm. No, those, those questions are awesome. So then yeah, let, I love that on like three different levels. Yeah, I know you do. That's so awesome. then let's spin it then. So instead of this is going to be a first, this is going to be a first mm-hmm. for first set podcast, if you're okay with it, because it's your Absolutely. content, instead of doing a content wreck to end the episode, how about since your content wreck was going to be the two Jack Bros podcast, which it should be right. I mean, mm-hmm. you should endorse your own podcast and everyone should go listen. He does an awesome mm-hmm. job. Ainsley, he keeps talking about jujitsu, but you should see his wife. She's an absolute monster. Oh, yeah. Hit her against any girl that I know. Oh, my God. She is it's a so, it's so cool. monster. Yeah, it is so cool. Um, if you're cool with the Dikembe, I think he should pick one of those questions mm-hmm. and ask each of us. We get a different one if yeah. that if you're cool with that, Sid. So pick pick one for Dikembe and pick a different one for me. And we'll I, see how I, the answers go. I love go. this stuff. I'm very yeah. excited to see how Albert's going to respond. Me too. Goodness gracious! How you know? I could, I could, I could read them all to you and let you guys pick one for yourself. Pick the one that no. identifies with you. No, whatever one you feel will get a, the answer that you think is funny. So based on just this brief conversation, you said you okay. like it, it to be funny. Uh, so this is this is this is based off of um, reactions that I that I got from you guys when I was reading the questions. So Al, I'm going to ask you the question. So. Again, this this segment is called My Bad, and this is where you get to give an apology to any person, place, or thing, any noun that you feel like does. It's not going to hear the apology, but it's going to get your energy back to neutral. Oh shit! Oh man, I love this so much. Uh, this is great. Wow. So so an apology to mm-hmm. any person, place, or thing. They're not going to hear it, but this will get me back to neutral. Damn. <clears throat> Let me. Um, this is it's, tough, it's, honestly. It's you fun just, to watch people roll through this question. Yeah. Because at first, it's like, I don't really have any. And then oh, no, like, I do. you're like, well, there's this one person that I almost murdered yesterday. <laughs> you know? I never almost. Okay. Well, I can actually give you a two part answer then. Then a joking mm-hmm. answer. Um, I feel real bad because my dad listens to this podcast. And I know this is going to make him upset. It's I, be I, so great. I received an email. So honestly, this is an apology to my dad also and to the woman involved. And then I have a deeper answer. <clears throat> Just a quick one. I received an email today while driving and he scolds me scolds me for looking at my phone while driving. 
I received, <laughs> he, he, he does. And my dad is horrifying. So I received an email today while driving and I looked at it for a brief second and I had to, my car ended up slamming on the brakes for me because I came to traffic quickly on 76 and the person sitting in front of me, I didn't hit them thanks to my car um but the person sitting in front of me was like waving their hands in the air mm-hmm. like they saw me almost hit them and they were freaking out so i apologize to you person even though you overreacted mm-hmm. but i apologize to you but i more so apologize to my dad because i felt really bad about it on a deeper meaning honestly i would probably apologize to people that knew me my junior and senior year of high school <laughs> i was just i was arrogant um i d- was super confident and very unaware. I lived a fortunate life. I had an incredible group of friends and I did very well in school and athletically. And I just like let it out. And I was definitely, Um. I was overconfident. I was times when I was rude and I have tried every year to get better at it. So were you you swirling people? What were you doing now? Come on. I wasn't, I wasn't pretty damn close. I don't yeah. ever. Well, I was captain of the Listen, wrestling team, so there were a couple perfect. things that were messed I wasn't up. Perfect. I remember there were days when we were in the locker room, football season, taping kids to the bench. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, Big roll did. of duct tape. Yeah, that was true. We did. Okay. We did tape so, so were you more like a verbal assaulter? Like, were you like telling people yes. they were terrible? Yes. Before I uh, listen, before yeah, I hit my stride, before yeah. I I started clicking yeah. athletically. Oh, I used to get all the, all the jokes between you, mm-hmm. Richie, our previous guest. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all had a, just a group of. Dikembe had a just, huge head sitting on just, this like stick figure. I was body. like ten years old. I had to wear a size large like one helmet. Of them alien heads, right? So that's yeah. a joke in and of itself. But I wasn't. I didn't need to be the brunt of those jokes. I didn't need that. I was just. Yeah, well, and I again, like big head no. jokes are a staple of human. Like you, like you just filled the gap, dog. It wasn't about your head, exactly. Right, and I realized that. I realized that about myself. I was like, you know what? They just need somebody to be a target. Now I got to find something to make fun of him about. Oh, crazy! He's still five foot two, and we're all six it's feet. Exactly, and, and honestly, and the way I handled like certain relationships too, and like broke up with certain girls. That too, I always wish I could go back. And obviously not get back with the girl, but I wish I could go back and just like end it in a more mature manner that I know now. That Do you I have like a particularly that. douchey breakup that that comes to mind when you think of that? Um, yeah, <laughs> I <do. laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I won't, I won't name no names because uh, yeah. who knows who listens. But there was one that was horrible timing. It was, it was horrible timing, and. Honestly, like 10% of it was because I had just lost. So we used to um, play volleyball against our coaches. There was a group of seniors that would say, play volleyball against our football coaches. And we took these, <laughs> these volleyball matches more serious than anything any, in the world. Any, literally, literally this was happens. like, this was religion were these yeah. games. <clears throat> shirtless, shirtless volleyball? Uh, at some time, sometimes it got shirtless, but it was more so just like the pride behind the victory. So yeah. it was in the gymnasium after practices, like the coaches would let us come to the high school and play. Like it meant a yeah. lot to them too. Like some I, just, of I, ask, I only ask because like there's nothing funnier than having your pride destroyed shirtless. <laughs> it's just That's like, so true. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were moments I went shirtless. Either I was or I was wearing a cutoff, like a schmuck, right? Yeah. Like it's like a total loser cutoff. And we lost. And not only did I that night go home and break up with my girlfriend at the time my one friend went home and also broke up with his girlfriend at the time that's how rattled now the breakup was coming and it was inevitable but the fact that a volleyball game pushed me to it not great so yeah. <laughs> that's that's something i i apologize for and i wish i could redo 
You know, so that's again, so that's that's why I love this question. Yes, this question is he's like rattling his brain off like oh, I don't know, and then like bam, 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 bam. Oh no. That was apology after apology after apology. <laughs> yeah, and like, I genuinely huh? am sorry. It's like wow, you've thought yeah. about this before, huh? Yo, yeah. yeah. No. No, look, do you, do you feel better after doing that? No, no, because I think that people are going to listen. They're, they're going to know either who I'm talking about or they're going to be listening and be like, damn right, dude, you were a dick junior year. But I and think you that's know a what? part of it. That's uh, a good thing. I feel like that's a part yeah. of like getting yeah. over this. It's like, wow, okay, now I got it out there. Now I got to deal with the next phase of what getting it out there does. But then after mm-hmm. it's all cleared up, then it's like, all right, what else can you? It literally goes back to when I like the final scene in 8 Mile, right? Where he just goes on stage and he's now saying everything Absolutely. else that you can possibly throw on my face. Because it's like, hey, if I already know these things about myself, what can you say about me? Yeah. yeah. I mean, those, and, those, and those people, and we have had people hear apologies for them specifically and respond to those people about Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, know, I mean it too. I really wish I could go back and rehandle certain things in a more mature manner and, and just have been either nicer or more thoughtful of how it would impact them. Uh, yeah. So. I'm sure anybody that hears any of those apologies would appreciate hearing them if they apply to them. And if not, they're in a tough spot in their life, man. Yeah. 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 It's uh yeah. So, okay. Dikembe, uh, for you, uh, <laughs> and again, this is based off of the way you guys reacted to the questions. Uh, Dikembe, what is your favorite lie that you tell yes. or you've told and you get extra karmic points if you divulge a lie that is currently in rotation? Dude, I wanted him to ask you this question. So yeah, because I thought about it. Me too. I thought about it too. And I, I love this the question. Current lie that I tell. Hmm. Well, you know, I don't even know if it's like, because I think this is a, like something we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, because I guess it's trying to overcome more mm-hmm. like a reception that I guess that I try to maintain or that other that I think other people have of me. So I don't know if it's like a lie really or a lie I've been telling myself where I have to, I only get certain benefits in my life because people perceive me a certain way mm. or I have to continue to maintain. And I just recently left a corporate job. Right. So coming out of this now for this first year is realizing like, OK, I did kind of maintain a certain persona, a certain role for years and years and years, knowing that it would get me to another step in my life. Right. Yeah. Knowing that it would help me climb some sort of corporate success ladder. If you're able to talk a certain way, dress a certain way, look a certain way. You know, always make sure your hair is cut properly. Always make sure you're showing up looking all these things, right? You're telling yourself this lie to try to get to some point. And it's like, what point? And I guess for me, that is something I'm trying to overcome this whole year. And, you know, like just talking to my friends and being just more open about it. It's like, is this something that I really held on to for all these years now since we've left high school or even going back to high school, right? Like, is this something that you've really had to sit there and just constantly keep telling yourself, oh, this is what I got to do. This is what I got to do. This is what I got to do. And now, you know, talking through and kind of just trying to shed myself of it. It's like, huh. Damn, you probably feel crazy so, right now. Yeah, I'm, also, I'm, also, I'm curious about that dissonance, though. Like, mm-hmm. you know, are you going to finish this interview and then put on a do-rag and gold teeth? Like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what is this disparity? What yeah, am I not so, seeing? Yeah, so like that, yeah. like you joke about that, right? Yeah. Like, no, like they know, like I'll go home like later tonight, tie up my hair with a do-rag, right? Like mm-hmm. put on my glasses and chill. Play some yeah. video games, and that's Are like sunglasses. Me. Are they sunglasses that you're putting no, no, like, <laughs> you put on? Aviators, like, 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 like they're just sitting there on the couch, like late at night. Just like, all right, I'm out. Right? Uh, <laughs> no, but it's just like like you're saying, right? Even being able to like relax, you know, have a do rag, not having to wake up every day, put on the suit and the tie, because it's like, oh well, this is how people expect me to look on a daily basis. And if you even show up with a wrinkle, all these things would just weigh in my mind, and it's just like a constant. 
you're just constantly trying to just maintain, 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 and you don't feel like yourself going into those roles, right? So I think that's kind of what I'm dealing with. Well, what, what was, like, what was yeah. bursting out of you in those moments? Like if something, if, if, if some inner Dikembe that you were trying to conceal was going to burst out of you at a work meeting, like what would it have been? My, what was I holding back? My, my true, my true thoughts on the opinion. On well, the, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're holding back a floodgate of personality traits yep. that, you know, but it's like, you know, what are you going to start, you know, just drop 16 bars at a work meeting? You know, like, what are you going to, what are you going to do? You know, like, like, what is, what is one thing you're like, ah, oh, man, I can't do that at work, but I want to do it all the time. Honestly, like part of what you just said there, right? Like being, you would realize like in certain environments, you're not able to speak on what you think is, should be done. Right. Or even if you do vocalize like certain things, it may not even be considered. So you're just like, ah, I might as well save my breath and just kind of go along with whatever is being done because <laughs> that's how you say you, that's how you survive in this environment. Yeah, right. So you, the one time you speak up, it's like, oh, nope, that's not your role. Right. Play your role, blah, blah, blah. And then wait until you get into that position and make those decisions. I'm like, all right, yeah, like, like, there, then I'll be good. Just say snitches get stitches. Right. It's like that was not a side of him. That, exactly. Right. You might drop certain words. It's like, oh, that's dope. What? Oh, there you go. Yeah. But then, like you're saying, right, then you remember when I started working at Wells Fargo, like even certain like environments that you're working, in, I start working with an all black staff for the first time in my life. And I'm like, wait this is different. Mm -hmm. The way that you think you have to go on and work and act and speak is not the same everywhere. Right. And it was the first time I've ever worked. Cause once again, growing up where we work, can you name any business that has an all black staff where we grew up in Broadsville? Bro. No, that's a joke in and of itself. Yeah. No. Right. We so, grew up in the Pocono set. So the answer to that is no. <laughs> right? so all these it would have to be like a, a food cart or something. Exactly. Like. So I'm still no. The answer still is still no. no. Yeah. yeah. And so you go and see, I'm just like, wait, people do speak a little bit with a different vernacular and I can go, you know, and say these certain things. So what is their idea of success? What do, what do you have to do to reach that level of success? And that for me is like the overall thing, right? It's like always trying to figure out, okay, how do you reach that point of success? Because you really, you brought this up earlier when we were talking and, you know, we could talk about this a whole nother episode in itself where yeah. you said sometimes you reach, you're the first person to graduate college. You're the first person to do something in your family. And you almost feel like, ah, are people going to start depending on me now for these things? Or like, you know, am I starting looking at it in a different way? So do I really have to just keep doing every single thing to make sure that I don't fumble the bag? Right. And even saying something like that, right. And if I'm like, what fumble the bag? Like, what is he talking about? Yeah. 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 But these yeah, are, I mean, it's like, it was easy for me because my family is a bunch of criminals and ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> so it was easy for me to move on from them. You know, it was uh, like one day I just woke up and was like, why do I care? Mm -hmm. They don't care. Why do I care? You know, but yeah, I, I get that, man. That's, uh, that's, but I will say this, like, I've always, um, I've always been considered unique in, in these spaces because I, I do just, I'm just myself. I don't, I've never really known how to not be myself, mm -hmm. you know, and I've always been very envious of people like you that can compartmentalize that and go into a situation and kind of toe the line. Like, I've never been a toe the line guy. I mean, I was raised by feral humans, mm. you know? Like, I, you know, my, like- <laughs> If, if I, like, you know my father, it becomes very easy to understand. You know, yeah. you'll know why and why it's very easy for me to toe the line. And just because once it's the same, he came to America, worked for Citibank for 30 years, right? And once again, going up that ladder, it's not, it's not yeah. easy for you to come here and say, oh, I'm gonna start off as a teller and end up, you know, as an area president. Like you can't sit there and be like, start speaking with your Guyanese accent. You know what I mean? Anybody yeah. who worked with my dad at Citibank has never heard him talk with a Guyanese accent unless That's you're really close with him, right? You'll go in there and you'll sit there and be like, wow, this man must have graduated from NYU. Nope. 
right? Dude, More like my, LIU. My mom has never, this is the true story. My mom has never worked at a place that she didn't get fired from for fighting. Wow. That's yeah. crazy, man. It was uh, three years ago was the first time my mom ever had a single job for two years. Does she still have it mm-hmm. or did she get into a fight? Uh, she, she's still, she's still rocking at that job. Okay, cool. She's still rocking at that job. But like, she's, um, it was like, we had a big dinner and celebration for my mom's first ever. It was like the first time she'd ever been at a job longer than a year. Mm. And we celebrated at the two year mark. Cause she didn't want to, she didn't want to celebrate too early. Right. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. So it's like, I, like my mom was like, um, you know, it was, it was just like destroy. Like if something's not going my way, I will destroy everything, mm. you know? And she has no bottom, no problem starting from rock bottom, you know? So it was like, I kind of, I kind of always had that. And, and you know, whether it was good or bad, I always kind of had this thing where it's like, I've seen, I've seen a wild, crazy woman start from the ashes every year, most of my life. So I know I'll be okay. You know, like even if it goes as bad as it could possibly go, you could always turn it around. My mom turned it around every year, you know. So, yeah, that was like that was the only beneficial thing out of that, you know. But it was like, yeah, she's she never I don't I don't think anybody had ever seen her. Like, I don't think she knows how to do it. I don't think she knows how to totally I don't think she knows how to act right. <laughs> you definitely hear yeah, that a lot to, growing to up. Sure. I guess the societal standards right yeah i think depending on what culture you come up it has different standards yeah yeah my my sister is more hood than my mom right and like she's got like tattoos on her neck and stuff and uh you know how like um you know you go to like you go you you you, like avoid going to movie theaters because that one black chick won't stop talking loud in a movie theater yeah right my sister is my sister is the chick that likes to go to movie theaters wait for that chick to start talking and then try to fight her oh Mm. no Right, and the so, whole time you're sitting there trying to keep her calm, and it's just like, no, 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 please don't, don't. So one time, my mom, one time I was like, I, I would, I never do anything with these people, ever, because it's always like, dude, every every time they go somewhere, the cops are involved. Oh god. So I go to a movie theater with them, you know, trying to be a good son. It happens. We go to a movie theater where they know this shit is gonna pop off, and. <laughs> Somebody starts getting up, talking in the movie theater, and my sister starts getting up louder than the person that's talking, oh. telling her to shut the f up this, shut the f up that. You ain't you 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 act like somebody ain't gonna come over there and punch you in your goddamn oh. head, kind of thing. And then this chick is like, "Who's gonna come over and punch me in my goddamn head?" Right? And I'm like, "Mom, are you gonna? What's happening? Here? <laughs> like, what is happening here?" And then all of a sudden, my mom. She gets up and she starts, she starts yelling at my sister, right? And uh, my sister says something to my mom. My mom's yelling in the movie theater, don't you be disrespecting your mom in front of all these people. These people don't, they won't, you know? And then uh, the chick's like, listen to your mom, listen to your mom. And my mom was like, don't you fucking talk to me when I'm talking to my kid. <laughs> insane. It's insane. And, you know, like my mom, like fortunately, uh, my mom, she used to go through these these periods and she would hit rock bottom. She'd be all crying and upset. And she'd be like, she pulled me and my brother into a room and she'd be like, listen, this is my life. These are my choices. This isn't you. You guys are better than me and you're, you're your own separate people. So 
I've been trained that way. So when they're doing that stuff, I'm just like eating popcorn. Just like, mm-hmm. listen, if they get kicked out, they're going to have to wait out. So I, I drove them here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching the movie. I'm, I'm watching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> because once, once they're gone, everything's going to be quiet in this movie theater anyway. Good to go. Now we can all enjoy the movie. Right. Right. So yeah, they ended up like, uh, I don't know. They ended up, those three ridiculous hood women mm-hmm. ended up coming to some sort of like, peace agreement i don't even know how it happened you know but it was like a good 20 minutes into the movie damn yeah i've actually never i've never i've been in a movie theater where people were definitely gabbing the whole time but i've never been in a movie theater for that you don't go to those movie theaters albert i, I uh, you don't it's a location thing i guess location location <laughs> location yeah I, it is it I've, is. I've really never i've just you just don't want to wish on nobody nope go but then you take you take my sister to a movie theater outside of that environment, right? Where people aren't like that. And then she's like, well, I can be the star of this movie theater then, mm-hmm. you know? So normally when she was, when she's at the loud movie theater, she's telling people to shut up. You take her to a quiet movie theater. Now she's the one talking. You're in that role. Yeah. So, it's, you know, yeah. That's, I, come from a, I come from a family of that, a big, mm. big family of that. <clears throat> well, well, dude. I mean, we really appreciate that. Was fun that those was great. questions? That, that was. I think that's something that you got really cool going on with those questions. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I would love to talk about it more. Um, and honestly, just see the list because I would like to ask some people those questions. I would just like to see how they handle them. The the lie one, I think, is hilarious. Yeah, because once again, like you'll realize, like people may start off making a joke about it, but after a while, even if you walk away saying like, "Huh." Maybe there are some things that I really need to really think about. Oh, for or sure. that I haven't thought. Or maybe nobody ever asked me a question like that. Yeah. I think yeah. that was the thing that hit me the most is that the depth of those questions or even just the way they're worded. I love, yeah. I love speaking. I love pe- the way people like word things. And just hearing that, I'm like, those are questions that will force people to think in a different way that they don't on a normal basis. Yeah. I love the lie that you told. But, and, and then like if you divulge it, you get like extra points because everyone's hiding one that like they thing. still like, tell. Yeah. Multiple. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah. Do you got anything else for us, Sid? Uh, you mean question-wise or, or, or no? I'm just yeah, no. I just like uh, I'm, and I hope people check this out. I mean, I, I like I like what you guys are doing. Uh, I've listened to more than one episode of this. You know, like when, I, when you first told me about it, I started listening. And uh, yeah, I think you guys are really good at you know get, getting stuff out of your, your guests. I think this is neat. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate that. that. Yeah, well, I mean, well, we'll have you back. You know, especially when you make it big time, we're going to need to have you back on to help blow yeah, us up. I'll yeah. do anything for anybody always. Yeah, he means that. Yeah. Love that. You got anything else for us, Deke? Nah, man, this was this was fantastic. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Well, yeah. with that being said, again, Sid, thank you so much. Everyone tune into the Two Jacked Bros podcast. Again, it's Sid and his wife. And if you're in the area, in the Philadelphia area, look up Sidney Gant and see if you can ever come out and see a show. Um, he's good at what he does. We had a phenomenal time here today. And as always, enjoy the first show.